Well, good evening, folks. It's great to see each one of you tonight. Thank you so much for coming. I want to talk to you tonight just for a few minutes about three different topics. Churches, leadership development, and outreach. All three very, very important pieces of what we're doing at Woodside Bible Church. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell. Do you know it? Will not prevail against it. And that's what he's been doing. Uh, For centuries, he's been building his church. And Woodside Bible Church is just a part of that. He's building it, and we look at this, and uh, we can't take any credit for what God has done. Um, He has built his church. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the capstone. He's our message. He's our motivation. Uh, It's all, all about Jesus. And so Jesus wants to build his church. The difficulty is that most of our churches have a lifespan. And experts say that lifespan, the life cycle of a church, can be anywhere from 14 to 40 years. And it dies. Um, it doesn't have to die. Um, Romeo is much older than that. Uh, the Troy campus is 62 years of age. Um, the White Lake campus uh, will be 200 years, Brad, in, in 2022. 21, Brad's still here and still awake. Good, Brad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what, what happens in the life cycle of a church, normally what happens is a church is doing well, and then it gets pulled into its past. And it, it begins to honor its history instead of um, thinking into the future and thinking vision, and the memories take over uh, from the vision. And how do you stop that? I look at um, my years at Woodside, and I, I've told people that in the last 27 plus years, I've pastored four churches without ever moving. And those have been all in one place, uh, all in one church. But we've gone through different stages. And with every stage comes different challenges and responsibilities, uh, new vision, and new expectations. My job description changes with every phase of the life of the church. And the last phase, it began in 2005. You heard a little bit about it tonight. We were just about ready to move into our new building on, the, on Rochester Road. It was February. Um, it was the Thursday night before our opening weekend. And uh, nine elders were gathered in my office. I was one of them. And I just, my fear was that um, we're going to move into this new building, enjoy the new digs, and replace vision with comfort. Um, I, was, I was afraid of that. They were this, this would be comfortable, it would be wonderful. Uh, people had given and prayed uh, for all of this to happen. And so I prayed about this, and I felt God led me that night to say something to our elders. Um, and I just said, I don't think this property and this building is big enough for us to accomplish our vision statement. You can imagine the looks I got. Some of those guys are in the room tonight. Um, we just spent a lot of money, and um, the property was beautiful, and people had sacrificed. And they said, what are you, what are you thinking? And I said, if we could reach 10,000 people on this campus, which would be very, very difficult to do, given traffic patterns and so forth. But we had people coming prior to that from 111 different zip codes. And I thought, this isn't sustainable. And I think evangelism is best done uh, locally rather than regionally. You can't, it's hard to invite your neighbor to come to a, um, a, an event at the church when it's 45 minutes or an hour away. And so I said, there's got to be a way 
Um, we, we can do it traditionally, and we can take 300 people, $300,000, and start meeting in a middle school for years, six, seven years, while we're saving up enough money to buy property, and then more years to save up enough money to buy uh, build a building. And all the while, you're unloading semis and, or trailers and that kind of thing and doing setup. And the ministry uh, um, is spent setting up and taking down rather than engaging with people. So I said, but right down the street from that middle school, maybe a church building whose parking lot on Sunday morning is almost empty. And there's, there has to be a way of bringing God's resources together for better kingdom stewardship. But I've never seen it done before. The theology may be the same, if not maybe similar, but at least let's talk about that. And I challenged our guys to pray, and they did. Those men I look back are men of great faith. Um, I, I think I would have just kicked me out of the, out of the building, out of the church, and say, well, go wherever you came from. But uh, um, they had great faith. And uh, you know the rest of the story. It began with Warren and then White Lake, and now 14 campuses. Um, right now, there, it's estimated that somewhere between 4,000 and 7,000 churches close every year. You know, so do the math, and you figure out every weekend you worship here, or Algonac, or wherever you're from, Chesterfield, or, um, every weekend you worship. You do the math, X number of churches are closing that day. One of the things we entitled this tonight, Responding to the Whisper of God. I love that. Um, John Perkins um, once said, vision is when God calls you up close to your, himself and he whispers in your ear, can you see what I see? Can you see what I see? And we when we take time away from the noise of this world to listen to the voice of God, You'll find that Woodside is not built on any master plan other than his master plan. And we've seen him work over and over and over again as he whispers in her ear. And now over the years, eight or nine of our campuses have come through mergers. In some cases, those churches may be Montessori schools today if God hadn't intervened. Um, other campuses, we, just, we launched the more traditional way. And all along the way, We've seen God work. We've seen his hand in, on every campus. I was talking to Dan, uh, actually, during the worship uh, time tonight, and we were, we were reminded of a story. Um, it, was at the, it started at the Troy campus and then involved the Warren campus and Pastor Dan. Um, I was in the foyer one day after a service or between services, and a man came up to me and he said, um, you don't know me. He's maybe 37 or 38 years of age. He says, you don't know me. I've been coming here for a while. I've come to know the Lord. My family's been coming, and uh, many of them have come to know Jesus. And he said, but my dad's been coming, and he doesn't know Jesus yet, and he's dying of cancer. Would you pray for him? And we did. It was maybe a few weeks later. I saw him in the hallway again and said, how's everything going with your dad? He's still dying of cancer. But he said, you said something in a message that offended him, and so he's not coming anymore. I thought, how could that happen? <laughs> um, I said, I'm so sorry. He said, I said, let's pray that he'll come back. And uh, I talked with him again, again a few weeks later, 
And I said, how's everything going? He said, my dad came back. We just needed a miracle. And he said, one day when we came back, I think it was the first Sunday back then, but I'm not positive. He said, we were in worship and the worship leader uh, between songs said, uh, just turn around and shake hands with uh, the people around you. And he said, right in front of my dad, the man who turned around and shook his hand was his oncologist. Of all of our services and of all of the seating opportunities, 2,500 seating opportunities, God placed this oncologist right in front of a man whose biggest need was not cure from cancer, but freedom from sin. And when that oncologist turned and shook his hand, he said, my dad's tears came and all of our tears came. And it wasn't long after that. He shared with me again in the foyer. He said, my dad has come to know Jesus. A wonderful story. Uh, Dan was able to baptize him with family around. And then uh, Dan, uh, Dan did the funeral. Um, and it's just that those stories to me are just so wonderful. Where you say, there's no way you could orchestrate. This is not circumstantial. This is God. And he whispers in our ear. And we have to be ready to respond to the whisper. Sometimes it'll take courage. Sometimes it involves risk. And it always involves faith. But it first of all demands that we listen. Um, I, I think of that verse of Ephesians 4, excuse me, Ephesians 2, verse 10. After those great verses that talk about the fact that we're saved by grace through faith and not of works. But then verse 10 says, uh, and I'm going to quote it in probably three different versions because, uh, because I can, you know. <laughs> um, which means I don't have it in one version. But, but we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do the works he's already prepared for us to do. I think that's applied to individuals, but I think to churches as well. And I've always prayed to God. And so said, Lord, help us as Woodside Bible to accomplish all that you've prepared for us to do. I don't want to get to judgment seat someday. And he said, your faith was too small. You had no idea how I wanted to use Woodside Bible Church to impact this entire region. That same year, we were challenged by a guest speaker who came to our church about the needs of, uh, of the, the children of Thailand and the horrible trafficking issues there where young lives are just ripped away, uh, futures are ripped away. And our people said, we got to do something. And it was the people that were driving it, not me. But it was wonderful as a pastor to hear our people say, what are we going to do about this? Um, I don't know. <laughs> but we sent a team over there and uh, partnered with a Pastor John uh, in the hill country north of Shanghai purchase some property and, be, and, and, and uh, begin to build an orphanage. We dedicated the orphanage and uh, we continued to build buildings. Uh, last, not this past February, uh, a year ago, I was over there to, for the dedication of a church building that seats 1,000 people. 
And it was just so exciting. And they had a leadership training program. Now we're building, a, we've built a, a other buildings on the property. We're building right now, it's more of a seminary, to reach all the Aka people in six different nations, about two and a half million people. And uh, the, that in this coming February, just a few months from now, that building will be dedicated. And so churches are being planted in India. We end up starting a, a, over 100 churches a year through the ministry of uh, Mono Daniel, one of our partners there. Uh, we're planning a church now in um, Montreal, the most postmodern city in North America. And Dom Russo there is doing a fantastic job. Uh, so it's working. We're planting churches. And it bothers me. Uh, and Andrew said, we, we got to keep lighthouses open. One of the realtors the other day was sharing with one of our, our, our men. He said, I forget the number he, he shared, but so don't quote me, but it's like 40 church buildings in Oakland County are for sale. But, and, and very few of those are for sale because they've grown out of the building. They've just, they've, they've lost vision. And, um, and so that's churches. Continue to pray. Uh, that God would use us and, and we, to, to make a difference. I want to talk to you for a minute about leadership development. It was one of my mentors who coined the expression, everything rises and falls on leadership. And leadership is so important. You find Jesus, when he came to this world and began his ministry, he called out men, just simple men, fishermen, uh, a tax collector, a zealot. And he said, follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And he poured his life into those three, Peter, James, and John, and then the twelve, and then to a lesser degree, the masses. And then when the apostle Paul was writing Timothy, he said to him, the things that you have heard of me, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In other words, it's leadership development. It's pouring on to the next generation. And at Woodside Bible Church, we believe in that so strongly. We began um, uh, just a couple of years ago the Woodside Leadership Institute, uh, where we're training. Uh, I'll give you a couple of numbers here. Uh, through that, we've trained 1,300 pastors and ministry leaders through our quarterly uh, gatherings. Uh, in the last two years, we've had 48 interns and 39 residents. And we wanted to train uh, people for a very challenging world that we need to reach. I think like never before has theological education been, uh, it's, today it's more, more important than any other time, I think, in the history of the church, at least in the United States. Very, very important. And so what were, how are we going to handle that? Um, we, um, I've been probably for over 20 years now um, looking for a piece of property that where we could have a, a retreat center where we could accomplish three purposes. Uh, first of all, marriage enrichment. Secondly, leadership development. And third is pastor enrichment, encouragement. Um, and nothing worked. I mean, it was either too far away or it was too expensive or um, it just it, it didn't work. In some cases, it was too close. And we wanted to get away a, a distance so that people didn't go home at night to watch Monday Night Football or something. Um, and then in the, in the sovereign will of God, um, just 45 minutes north of Port Huron, uh, if it's even that far. Um, God led us to a piece of property. Some of you, how many have been there? Oh, yeah, quite a few of you. Some, many have not. It's a 13, 15,000 square foot log cabin that was built as a single family dwelling with an indoor swimming pool, and uh, that's gone. Uh, and it's, uh, 
on 40 acres, and it was just beautiful. And we looked at the property, and it had been built for six million, just under $6 million. And the price over the years had come down. Uh, in those six years that it's been empty, um, uh, with no heat, electrical on in the building, the wood floors are beautiful. They've not buckled at all. There are no cracks in the ceramic. It was like God had preserved this just for us. And we got it. Uh, many people in our church and several families donated to get it, and then more donated to make it into 12 beautiful suites, which was necessary, particularly for marriage conferences. And so we opened it up for, for ministry, uh, first for marriage, con marriage weekends. And over the last um, uh, year, we've uh, last two years, it's only been open, it says two years, but it's not been open that long, but 2,510 people have attended various retreats. Isn't that amazing? And I'm so excited about the, the, the marriage retreat part of it because marriages are under attack today, um, big time. Uh, marriages in our churches are under attack. And if we can recognize that and, and um, keep marriages together and make them stronger so that they can be the beautiful picture that Jesus intended of the love that he had to, for his church. And that message can be shared through our marriages to a lost and dying world. Um, my goal, my dream, was to have those marriage retreats and have some of those couples who maybe came there on the edge. Uh, maybe this was their last hope to save their marriage. And God wonderfully worked through a Friday night, Saturday, and by Sunday morning, they had new and fresh hope. What I wanted them to do then, and we're working on this, is to go out in the woods to an area there and plant a tree. Just plant a tree as almost an Ebenezer marker where they can come year after year and bring their kids and bring their grandkids and share with them, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Now, God is able, as we've been singing tonight, and no matter how big the marriage issues are, uh, no matter how, how much sin has been done uh, to each other, God is able to forgive, and through the power of the resurrection, marriages can be restored. And I want to see a forest planted up there in that property for God's glory. And then for leadership development, to take our teams there, uh, to take your team there, Billy, for the Romeo staff, or elders, and different groups. You like that idea? Um, we'll reduce the price for Romeo. <laughs> um, and just connect there and join hands with our, around our mission, vision, and values, and come back ready to go refreshed. Uh, and this is, the campus pastors have had retreats there. We've had retreats with our wives. Uh, I'd love to see neighborhood groups go up there and have retreats and bond or maybe go up and serve uh, and just have a wonderful time. And then the third area is pastors enrichment. Um, and this is the area of ministry that I'm going to be going into when I, uh, when I step away from Woodside. I'm not going to step away from Woodside. If the new guy will have me, I'm going to stick around a little bit. Um, but I'm associated with a ministry called Barnabas, where we, we want to help um, provide resources and encouragement to pastors and churches to be all that God wants them to be. Right now, somewhere between 14 and 1,700 pastors leave ministry every month. 
every month. So you can imagine when that happens, a church just spins its wheels. It's not going anywhere. A church can't be any stronger than its families, and it certainly can't be any stronger than its leadership. And so we want to keep pastors on the field. I don't know if any of you watched a football game. I probably shouldn't reference this even in church, should I? Yeah. Uh, this is just, this isn't church though. No. It was just a, this is a Thursday night meeting. <laughs> there was a game Monday night we're not going to talk about. Okay. That was a scrimmage, right? That was a scrimmage, yeah. <laughs> but there was a game Sunday night where the Green Bay Packers played the Chicago Bears. And Aaron Rodgers, the star quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, was not doing well. And then he got crunched. And so they took him off the field, they put him on a cart, and they carried him away. Um, and while he's away in the locker room, they probably took x-rays and shot him up with quarters and would do whatever they, I don't know. But he came back and with the heroics won the game. And I think about that and I think part of our, our ministry at Woodside over the years, through our leadership development, through our pastor's enrichment, and my continued ministry with Barnabas is to, to, to get pastors back in the game. They're, they're getting beat up, sometimes self-inflicted wounds. We all know that. But other times the ministry is hard. But what would even be better than getting them back in the game is keeping them from leaving the game. And so that's what we want to do with the, 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 the lodge as well. To have retreats, well, I've had, I think, two retreats now in the last few months. I've got another one coming up in October for pastors and wives. And just to encourage them, I could tell you um, a couple of dozen stories of how God has used these retreats to bring encouragement and hope uh, in pastors' lives. And so that's part of the, part of the reason, part of the, our, our, our thought process with regards to leadership development and how the lodge plays into that that we have to develop the next generation. Uh, we have a, a teaching, preaching, training time once a month. And Billy, there's got to be 40 to 60 guys in the room, isn't there? And we have, we have dinner together and then a couple of hours just to train. And, and many of these are young guys. All of our campus pastors are in there. Um, but there are a lot of young guys in there who are getting the training that they need to bring leadership for the next generation of what God wants to do in the life of the church. So pray, would you, for the continued leadership development emphasis of Woodside Bible Church. We're offering even now a complete seminary education accredited through our Deploy program where we've partnered with Grace Seminary. So none of our students, male or female, have to pack up their bags, leave their jobs, say goodbye to their families, and move to Chicago or Louisville or Boston and be in a sterile environment. Um, all, <laughs> sterile, sterile is a euphemism for what it really is. Um, and, and then to be able to, and then, then go to church somewhere where they can get the training right here with people they know without leaving their ministry context, sometimes without leaving their job and be prepared to serve God in a meaningful way. So that's leadership development. I don't know of anybody who's been more committed and done more to, for Woodside Bible Church ministry than Eric and Nancy Haven. And Eric and Nancy are here tonight. Wave your hands there. They'll chastise me later for pointing them out. But Eric is one of those brilliant guys whose mind is always thinking. 
And Eric said to me a couple of years ago, he said, here it is. And he held out his hand. People everywhere desperately need Jesus. He says, it's that simple. And as soon as he said it, I thought, that's it. That's what motivates us with a sense of urgency to take the gospel to the world. Uh, the older churches get, the more inbred they get. And they lose sight of the urgency of the gospel message and the words of Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so it doesn't happen. And um, I remember visiting a famous church in, in Minneapolis years ago. Uh, years ago. Um, so many good things had happened to that church. And I, I took it, I, I knocked on the door. It was locked uh, for security reasons. And this is probably 25 years ago. And the, the custodian took me through and I said, do you know that this was one of the greatest churches in America at one time? I didn't know that. Uh, my uncle had graduated, my father-in-law had graduated from Northwestern College that was born on a First Baptist Church. And he took me on a tour of the building, and we went into the baptistry. It was huge. It was a kind of a crescent moon-shaped. It was, it was probably from that wall to here. And it was filled with furniture, dusty furniture. It had been a long time since that baptistry had been used. I thought, how sad. God had whispered in her ear to go and do something for the kids of Thailand. And um, it was so exciting to be there for the, the, these kids. Um, they learned a song in Thai, excuse me, in Akka and in English, like the night before. The first 25 kids that were in the orphanage. And I remember the words of one line of the song that they sang where they said, and we'll never be lonely again. Uh, wow. We began to support one of those young men who is now 19, and he's studying in uh, Bangkok in a Bible college. And I, I hope to see him go back to give leadership to, um, to the school. And yet, um, we were listening to the whispers of God and we thought, and God kind of whispered in my ear one day. And, uh, I, and I said to him, I said, God, we've, we've done these campuses, and they've become somewhat easy. We had the pattern, and we prayed, and we had people and commitment. Um, I said, do you have anything hard for us? Um, that's the way I prayed. And it wasn't long after that that one of our pastors on staff uh, he and I went out for lunch. And at the close of lunch, he said, you know, uh, um, I just feel God is saying we need to do something in Detroit. I said, okay, let's do it. Um, and we planted a campus in Midtown where we're reaching medical doctors and homeless people under the leadership of Tim Aldrich. Um, it's been an incredible ministry. Uh, but all along, I, th I thought... Why are we going 8,000 miles to reach needy people when people everywhere desperately need Jesus? And right in Pontiac, the needs are huge. And so we began to pray and um, 
And let me tell this story too about Eric. We were looking for property, we were looking for a building. We had, had basketball ministry going on and we lost our building that we were renting. It got sold from under us. And so we looked at a number of properties, didn't we, Eric? And then, then we found a piece of property that had been empty for three or four years, something like that, and a, a, there was a mortgage on it. It was a, a building that was built through the donations, generous donation of Grant Hill and Lindsey Hunter, basketball players. Uh, and that was, this was their church. And over time, they got traded, and the pastor's wife died, and they couldn't make payments, and uh, they were, had been gone for four years. And Eric had this idea of making an offer to the credit union in California that had the property. It's a Christian credit union. So he wrote a letter with an offer, but sent a basketball with it. And he thought, if, it's a, if there's a basketball attached to the letter, it's not going to get lost on somebody's desk. And sure enough, they called. And um, we had just done this huge campaign with nine different initiatives. And this, they called us back and said, it's not, we can't accept that offer. But the building is going to be auctioned the next Friday. And this was maybe Thursday or Friday, Eric, if I remember right, we got the call. And, and uh, so that Sunday, just at our Troy campus, I said, uh, here's a picture of the building. Um, we don't have any money for it. Uh, the money that's been committed has been com committed to initiatives, and we, ethically, we're not going to do that. But if you have an interest, um, see me afterwards. And, um, and by Wednesday of that week, we had $605,000 towards that building. And this has been the story of what God has done. You just sit back and you say, um, wow. Um, um, how's our time, Billy? What, what time are we done? We're, we're right on time. <laughs> <laughs> Job security right there, yeah. I, I remember. Can I, tell a, can I tell a bad story? It's, uh, years ago, um, we, uh, we were in the, the Troy Baptist Church. We were in the, our building there, uh, and we were growing out of it. We bought the, the Methodist Church to the south of us. We were growing out of that. Um, and we needed more property. We needed a new building. Uh, and yet the people had sacrificed to build that building, mortgaging their own homes, working after work at night to build this thing with their own hands. And, uh, and yet they had faith to believe that God had something bigger for us than what could be accomplished on nine acres. And so we found the property, but it was going to be a couple of years before we could even begin a building process. We had to get permits uh, and all the rest of it. And getting the property was a miracle, just a miracle. And I remember uh, we, we decided we don't want to lose momentum, so let's take a couple hundred people and we'll have a, a satellite campus up at Oakland Christian School in Auburn Hills, and it'll provide room where we continue the momentum, continue to grow, uh, so we don't atrophy there. And one of our, uh, we made the decision with our, at that time it was deacons, and we, uh, after a service that morning, one of our guys who was a deacon, but was on a cruise with our senior citizens down in uh, the Caribbean. And he, so he said to me, very politely, he said, uh, you know, I heard you made the decision that we're going to take a couple hundred people and, and have a satellite campus. He said, I'm not in favor of that. And um, 
I said, well, we explained again why we needed to do it, and it's an idea to keep momentum going. And he mentioned the name of another deacon who was also on the seniors' cruise, and he said, he's not in favor of it either. So he said, um, we need to get together with our deacons and kind of revisit this decision. Um, I love this guy um, so much, and we, so we, it wasn't a heated conversation, but I said something that I knew, I knew as soon as I said it, that I probably shouldn't have said it. I said, well, you, you're gonna have to decide who you want to run this church because if, if you and your buddy are gonna wanna run it from Florida, you gotta let us know so we don't waste time in meetings. You know? um, we continued our conversation, everything was fine. Uh, I got in the car to go home and I said to my wife, uh, Sunday afternoon, I said, I really blew it. I really blew it. As soon as I got home, I called him. I said, can we talk tonight? So we went back. We met at the church that night. I said, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I, I said, uh, I love you and respect you way too much to speak to you like that. Please forgive me. I could barely get the words out when he said, no, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And he said, I just want our church to be united. And I want to move this thing as fast as we can. Can we just meet tomorrow for lunch? I said, sure. So we met a big boy over on Baldwin in I-75 for lunch. And he said, my wife and I want to move this thing along as fast as we can. And so we're, we're giving a million dollars to make that happen. Now, um, we don't have many gifts like that. You need to know that. A million dollars. He said, I want to remain anonymous, but I want you to use it in a way that will encourage other people to give. And it was, I, I looked at that and I thought, this is incredible. I broke every fundraising rule in the book. <laughs> and God says, I got this. I got this. We had a family that was coming to our church that was very generous. Um, and they got upset about something and stopped coming. And it was, the reason wasn't significant. It, just, it bothered me. And they would attend our third service, and I'd be standing in the front row. And I'd look over my shoulder for three or four months to see if they were sitting in their seventh or eighth row back. And every time, they weren't there. And after about three months like this, it was like God said to me during worship service, God said, what are you looking back for? I'm here. I'm here. And we are totally dependent upon that God for leadership, for the way he provides. Um, Woodside Bible is not a wealthy church, but we believe, and we're a generous church, that people everywhere desperately need Jesus. So we started the Dream Centers in Pontiac. And I've got a long list of things that we've done, uh, God has done. The nativity reaching nearly 30,000 in the last two years. The Thailand Bible Institute, the orphanage, uh, 70 kids supported. The Mexico Bible translation. Even the It's a Girl program in India, supporting that so that these little girls uh, are not put to death, either through abortion or infanticide, but they have a chance. So the list goes on and on in the track ministry. Um, it's just been absolutely amazing. 
And it's all because of God and responding to the whisper, all of us responding to the whisper of what he says in our ears. And we just, when God calls you up close and he whispers in your ear, can you see what I see? So thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for giving. Many of you give uh, through your campuses and, um, and many give above and beyond through to our Vision Foundation so that we can do these extra things. We're looking forward to uh, buildings going out this way, right? Right through that wall. Um, that will probably double the capacity for worship on Sundays and it's gonna be 4.9 million. So we've, we've got enough here to take an offering tonight, I think, yes. <laughs> and uh, our prayer is that by the time we turn the key on that to, to get in, um, all of it will be taken care of. So uh, pray with me with regards to that. But again, thank you so much for your commitment. I did wanna say a word. Many of you have been praying for uh, the succession process. And it started with, uh, and I mentioned this last week at the Troy campus, it started with a national search, 74 candidates that got narrowed down to six, that got narrowed down to three, and they were supposed to go from three to one and they couldn't do it. So they went from three to two. And so we pursued both of those and then from two to one. And so that one has been getting to know us. We've gotten to know him very well. Um, he wasn't looking for, he didn't apply. Uh, he was tapped on the shoulder. Um, I met him 20 years ago. We've known each other from a distance, but he's followed this ministry, uh, and God's had his hand on him. Um, pray that if he's the one, God would show him and his wife. Um, but it's a, it's a, it would be a huge move. So would you pray about that? I can't share names yet, but uh, pray about that if you would. So let's, let's continue to work with Jesus to be a part of this building process, Re listening and responding to the whisper of God.